Welcome to the Salon Owners Collective podcast. Each week on the podcast, you'll hear stories and tactics from experts and influencers who will provide you with actionable steps to transform your business and your life. I'm your host, Larissa McClemon, and I help salon owners move from stress and overwhelm to lead a life of freedom and profit by implementing a strategic framework to grow and scale their business. So wherever you are in the world, I want to officially invite you to join me in this episode and make an important step in your journey towards more freedom and more profit. Now, everything in life requires a certain amount of balance to truly succeed. Do you agree? And this is especially true when it comes to your business. I know so many salon owners struggle to maintain balance within their own business branding. You want your brand to have the perfect amount of this and the perfect amount of that. And then you want to try something new and you want to attract a specific person into your business. But you also don't want to leave out another type of person. And maybe you're just trying to be everything to everybody. It's hard to find a happy medium. So if you struggle to find the perfect balance in your salon's branding, like who are you as a brand, what do you project out there into the world, then let me know because I totally get it. I want to hear what you think. I really appreciate your comments, whether it's in the group, in Messenger, or in the review section. But luckily today, I have some answers for you. I'm chatting with Emma Ebling. Now, she is an expert in both salon branding and marketing and she's going to talk us through how to find the perfect balance uh, in a way to present your salon to the world and balance your salon's purpose, personality and positioning. Too many P's. Be sure to tune in today to hear her top tips. You'll love it. Emma, thank you so much for joining me on the Salon Owners Collective podcast. Really pleased to have you here. Thank you. I am uber excited to be here. As I've, I think I've mentioned to you in the past, this is a bit of a dream country for me because <laughs> like Funnel Sisters. And I was like, when I first came into the salon industry, I was like, oh, I want to meet that lady. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So I'm really excited about what you're going to share with us today and the topic. You've done some amazing things. Before we hopped on, Emma showed me uh, the amazing things that she's been working on. So I can't wait to share it with you. But before we do, Emma, please will you tell us, like, Who are you and where do you come from and what do you do? Tell us your story. Well, my name is Emma Ebling and I go by Half Geek, Half Chic and I help salon owners understand both the strategy and the styling of branding their business along with the art of designing graphics and using technology to create marketing material and market the business both on and offline. So there we've got the strategy, the tech, the geek, and the art and the style, the chic. So, now, okay, half geek, half geek. Absolutely. And I'm chuffed to find this actually because, you know, um, from my days of working with websites, I really came across this um, in the time that I worked with that website company and talking to a lot of people who wanted new websites. I really made this discovery that website developers particularly um, are either really good at driving traffic and, you know, um, optimizing for this kind of real clicky geeky (laughs) traffic stuff and terrible at design or they're great at design and putting this beautiful brochure online but then there's no traffic there's no eyeballs nobody sees it and so to find somebody who can do both is rare I'm telling you guys this is rare so to find this gorgeous person who can do both um it's why I'm excited to have you so how did you get to be doing uh half chic half geek and you know what's the backstory 
backstory is pretty much that. Like I was about 12, 14 years ago thrown into, well, not thrown, I applied for this job and I, I got it, which was to set up a multi-million dollar sport and rec facility. And we hosted wedding, well, we were going to do weddings, events, school camps, as well as run adventure activities during the day. And my job as the events coordinator was to manage the bookings and orchestrate the events. But about a month or two before we were open, I was told the director was no longer the director anymore. And I was going to have to pretty much make sure the place was all ready and set up to open the doors in a couple of months. And I was like, yikes, <laughs> I don't know anything about this. I just know how to do manage an event like and pull that together. And the place was created because it was attached to a school and they didn't want to continually uh, look at their school community for fundraising to fundraise for their projects, which were um, helping orphanages in Bali and support them, which is a great school initiative. And so they set up this other business and they were going to target these particular areas. Now, it was my job now to figure out the marketing, figure out who we were even targeting, create websites, create marketing material. And so I, you know, was like they had some pretty hideous branding, but I had no idea. So I was just like, okay, that's what we're called. We were called the center, which is incredibly generic. And we had like a, a paint shop logo that had been created. I knew something wasn't right. I was just like, this doesn't look like it really appeals to anyone, but I had no idea on branding or marketing or any of this. So I trotted off to a web designer and he then starts asking me, what do we do? And I'm telling him we pretty much market to weddings, like corporate groups, schools, like pretty much anyone that walked and had a wallet, we were marketing to like, and I know now that is one of the worst things that you can do, but I had no idea on where to even start. I was totally green and inexperienced. And as you were saying before, you've got a web designer, who is looking at the aesthetics and how pretty things need to be. And then you have a web developer and I didn't know how to talk to either of them. I do now. And hence that's one of why I care so much is because there needs to be someone who can speak the language to both as to what's going on. But here's me sitting in these meetings, trying to explain about who we are and what we do. And they would say, when I was talking to the designer, they'd say, well, who are you targeting? And I'd be like, well, you know, these people. And then they'd say, I think we need to break this up a little bit and look at, you know, maybe just targeting one at a time. And me and my inexperience was like, that sounds like a terrible idea because how will everybody know what we do? And, um, how will they, you know, know that I can do that. We can do this. And they just sort of looked at me and sort of didn't really help in any particular way. And I was just left so deflated feeling like an absolute idiot. And, what I struggled with was that no one was asking, helping me to understand what I needed to understand. Cause when you don't know, you don't know. And I just felt like an, a real tool, but I was determined that I was going to make this work. And I'm always looking for why and how things work. So I enrolled myself in TAFE and started doing a coding course, started figuring out how to copyright and yet track down there. I still had no idea about branding or how I was going to position our business. But I came across this one particular lady on an emailing course and her, her 
business was the middle finger project. I think that appealed to me because <laughs> that's how I felt about marketing. I'm like, this is just, I just want to ah, scream. But she taught me the fundamentals of figuring out who I needed to be targeting, who, who, I, was, who I was, what I did and, you know, why should I, someone care or why do I care? What's my big why? Which I know you talk about a lot with your audience. And it is so incredibly important because no one taught me that. So that's how I kind of fell into this. I taught myself, I figured it out. And then like as, um, sorry, Alice in Wonderland down that rabbit hole, I met some Tweedledees and Tweedledums. I met some Mad Hatters, but it all came together to help me figure out that I wanted to be able to speak the language of both the strategy and the style. And then I, after I'd worked for this company for a number of years, coming back and forth um, in between kids, my mum broke her leg and couldn't look after my son anymore. So I went, you know what, I'm going to go out as a freelance designer and I started my business. And then from there, how I niched to salons was I started looking, I loved the beauty industry and I'm always on Instagram and Facebook checking all these things out. And I started to really resonate with their salons are absolutely beautiful. They know what they're doing inside, but when it comes to their marketing materials, they just don't understand. They're clueless in this area, just like me. And my heart went out and I started having conversations in that area, fell in love and went, you know what, this is the space for me because I think we can help each other and really understand where you're at. I love that. Um, absolutely. And I love that you have a have a heart for it and um, completely different experiences, you and I, but the same purpose or role to help people have both and make both of those things work. Um, yep. So 100%. that's really awesome. So I'm excited to uh, to for you to share like strat the strategy and style of a brand because it is really important for a salon. And um, let's just dive in, shall we? Yeah, let's go ahead. My favorite topics. <laughs> <laughs> so you have this thing called the three P's, um, purpose, personality, and positioning. Did I get it right? Can you, you tell did. us about it? Yes. Talk about that. Every brand needs to start thinking about what your purpose is, who you want to be as a brand personality. So your character, your persona, your voice, your messaging, and where do you want to position yourself in the market? And these are really big questions. And when you're looking at your brand journey and trying to figure out who your target audience is and how you want to show up in the world, these become super overwhelming because we don't have the answers. Sometimes we don't, we're trying, like me back at the center, we were figuring all this out for ourselves and no one's even helping us by asking us the right questions. So we can go, Oh, Oh yeah, I have an answer for that. And then you figure out it out a little bit. So first and foremost with, and you figure out who you are, what are your brand values? what's important to you, and then you've got to look at why do you do what you do in your business and what, what do you want the people to experience when you're in the salon? So, for example, who you are and why you do what you do and what you, do you want to be known for. Maybe you're a fun, funky salon that specializes in every type of beauty and personal care. That's who you are. So you've defined that specifically. Um, why do you do what you do? You have always loved transforming your appearance and how it made you feel and the confidence that it gave you. And what do you want to be known for? You want to create a safe space that's fun, that instantly puts a smile on people's face and reminds them of how unique they are and special 
they are at just being them because you is beautiful. Do you see how that's really powerful in figuring out your positioning, your personality and your purpose? And so we have to think about these things, but sometimes it's really difficult to remove ourselves from our business and look at it as objectively and in this particular way. And I know you've spoken about for like, you know, personifying your business, giving it that character, that personality. I was taught back in my um, learning about branding days is think about your business as an inanimate object in a number of different ways. So for instance, you might think of your business as being a shoe and it sounds really silly. And I do this with my clients and they're kind of like, I find this really difficult. It will take a little bit of time. So set aside time to do this. But for example, you might be a, you know, a Doc Martin. What are the aspects of Doc Martin that you business relates to? And we're looking for verbiage. We're looking for words to describe who we are so we can put that brand personality together. Um, you're grungy. You're, you have an edgy vibe. Um, not everybody is for you. Um, but those that know you are fans forever. Or maybe you're a Jimmy Choo, high-end, exclusive. There's not many around, like it's you're one of a kind. It could be Jimmy Choo Couture or Converse. Maybe you're long-established anywhere, anytime, everybody's favourite sneaker or place to go while still being cool and practical. Do you see how this exercise removes you and you can start looking at the attributes of something else that you're familiar with, or you have an understanding of that brand or that culture or the way it's put together. And I love that. yeah, I love it, it a lot. really helped me. What shoe are you, Emma? <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would say I'm probably, um, one of the fancier cons, like the sparkly ones. Yeah. Do you know what? I was thinking about that when I was myself and I think I'm, um, using just the three brands that you've talked about. I'm a Jimmy Choo sneaker. Yeah. <laughs> I think a couple of sparkers would be fine. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think with, that's good. When I was trying to figure out who I wanted to target with my um, brand styling business previously, I was like, oh, I really love the marketing side and the strategy, but then I want to be a graphic designer as well. And a brand stylist. And I'm like, but no one does these things. Like I can't find anyone to model because we, we should model ourselves off other brands. What are they doing? And that's what this exercise is about, is looking for what's already there and being able to identify it so we can shape it and put it in our business to make it unique to us. But I was like, and I was sitting on the lounge one day and I'm like, oh, it's like, you know, geek and then the chic. And I was like, oh, that's me. So it, it helps you to shape who you are and to get to that core message that you want to deliver to your audience because that's so important imperative as to your personality, the voice that you have for as you're building your brand. I really love that. And I, I think the power in that, um, Emma, is taking uh, yourself out of it because it's so hard to objectify yourself when you're inside your own goldfish bowl. Like how, do you know? Definitely. So I think that's, that's super, super cool. All right. I want to, so you guys that are listening, please let me know what shoe you are. Come and come and message us, like either me or Emma or both of us. Come and pop in our messenger and <laughs> tell us what shoe are you? I would really love to know. Now, Emma, I really want to jump to um, have a quick conversation around ideal client because if you know what shoe you are, um, 
we need to be know who we need to know who we're attracting into our business, right? And you have identified this as one of the most important things. And I, in my um, salon bot world, we're constantly coming back to this. Like this is the beginning of everything. So um, talk to me a little bit about narrowing down an ideal client. One hundred percent. If we if we're talking to everybody, we're talking to no one and there's absolutely no understanding there. So once we know our who, what, why, we can figure out our whom and then we marry those together and that interprets how we need to style our brand. But getting back to our ideal client and in today's totally saturated marketing world, when our brains switch off to all the different messaging cues. So in order to stand out, I know your audience already knows this, we have to cut through all that noise and figure out a message that's going to just interrupt and interest and intrigue that one person that we want to talk to. But that's sometimes the hardest thing to do because we think, I don't know what they want or who the, who they are. So we need to figure out, A, first, who would we like to target? Um, and then we start going into the demographics and the psychographics of who, who those people are. Is it a him? Is it a her? Where do they holiday? Where do they, um, you know, buy their food? Are they Audi shoppers? Are they, you know, uh, war shoppers, Coles, all that kind of stuff. Because for them, they're looking for messages that speak directly to them. And as a business owner, sometimes it's really difficult to think, okay, I don't understand where they're at, but we have to think of them in terms of maybe like a shoe as well. Like how do they want to show up in the world? How do they perceive themselves? And what are they thinking about when they're lying in bed at night, thinking about the next day? I was introduced to this as the wake up sweaty test. And it's like, between 10 and 2, they're lying in bed going, I've got, to, I've got to get this, I've got to go there. But what are they doing in their day-to-day -day and how are they showing up in their day-to-day -day? Um, in terms of the products they buy, the services that they use, what brands are they attracted to? And we need to figure all this out so that we can map our brand and our message to that particular person so that when we do show up, we're speaking a message that is attractive and interesting to them. And this is the science part of it is in our media saturated world, we're inundated with messages. So nothing really stands out except for the things that we're interested in because it piques our interest. So an example of this is when your sister buys a new car or a family member. I didn't know anything about Audi Q5s or Q7s. Now, everywhere I drive, they show up. I didn't know where um, anything about Apple iPhones. I mean, not iPhones, um, Apple I, uh, watches. I can't even say it right. <laughs> and um, I got one for a wedding anniversary and now I see them everywhere. It's like every single person is wearing an Apple because I identify with that. I identify with that brand, what it's about and how it's showing up in my life. And now it's showing up everywhere. So this is how our message becomes really um, popular or um attractive and interesting in our everyday life in amongst all the other noise that's going on because we have now awareness about that particular thing. So we need to make sure that our ideal client is, we understand them and 
we're creating things that are the most attractive to them. So that could be if it's Jimmy Choo and they're a high-end exclusive um, type of client that you're looking for and that's where you've positioned your brand, you need to make sure that your graphics are high-end and exclusive looking. You have to invest in your image. If it is, say, a mum who has a family and a schedule that is crazy and she doesn't like high end is just not on her radar right now. You need to be making sure that your brand is showing up in that casual everyday, um, really approachable language images and, um, messaging. And that's one thing that where the, what I talk about where your strategy informs your style in terms of um, your brand, we figured out the strategy, we've looked at who we are, what we do, how we position ourselves. Then we look at our style guide, oh sorry, the type of client that we want to attract and we build a style guide around that in order of marrying the two together and that creates our brand because brands these days aren't just what we say about ourselves, they're what our clients say about them and that famous saying, you know, it's what everybody else says about you when you leave the room and no one there because brands are built by people on social media that talk about us and they want a voice. They want to have a say in our brands and be able to participate. And that is one of the most valuable assets that you can have as a business owner, inviting them in, but they're only going to come in if they have an awareness and go, Hey, you know what? this looks like a space or it looks attractive to me. or it looks, I have an understanding of it. Hey, it's my Q7. It's my Apple watch. I get it. I I'm going to look into it a little bit further. Yeah, and I guess what you're saying too is that like your brand message or your brand entity is more than just marketing. It's how you deliver the service. It's what happens inside the salon. It's the flowers and the plants and the wallpaper that you choose and your marketing message, yeah? 100%. Um, yeah. I always say style is everything. <laughs> yeah. All right. You have a special space design method. You have like a methodology around this. Do you want to talk to us about that? Yep. Well, once we've got all these things, then you know your fonts, your colors, all of that is interpreted by who your ideal client is, how you want to target them, um, and what your brand is. Then it's all just piecing those pieces of the puzzle together. And I call it the space design method, uh, where it stands for S, so it's an acronym, S-P-A-C-E-S, actually it's spaces design method, um, because... <laughs> I always forget that it used to be called space design method, but I realized that strategy has to come before style and this, that, so I added the S at the beginning <laughs> and put another one at the end because if we don't figure out this strategy stuff that I've been talking about, it cannot interpret how we need to pull it together. All of our um, information, whether all of our marketing messages are interpreted as images first and foremost, the brain interprets everything that we see in everyday life 93% of the time as a visual. So we have to be creating these visuals that are speaking directly to the people that we want to attract. And that is the, the strategy. So that's the S. P stands for proximity. It means that elements of a design that are related to one another have to be in close proximity to one another. So often new designers want to feel the entire space and there's no room to breathe and it's just there's so much information and a confused mind always says no because we don't want to look dumb as human beings ever so think back to my story about um the web designer i was confused so i went nah you can't do it <laughs> so i went and did it myself like the long way <laughs> um so items that are supposed to be together like phone numbers um uh, 
information regarding what you want someone to do needs to be in close proximity so that they can follow through that design kind of in a hierarchy from top to bottom and know exactly what, what you as a person delivering that message wants them to do. So um, don't fill up the entire space because you don't want someone looking all around trying to figure it out. You want to make it super easy and simple for someone. And that's your job as the marketer. Um, a stands for alignment. Alignment in the beauty industry seems to be dead center all the time because we think that that creates balance in our design. But then what it does is creates all this awkward white space around your text if you've got something, everything centered, aligned. And then when you try and add images or graphics in, it throws everything out and it makes it really difficult. So I challenge you to just stick to one alignment, whether it either be a hard right and just do it for three months and I guarantee you will come back and say, Emma, oh, that was the best gift that you gave me. <laughs> <laughs> Try a hard left, a hard right, a hard top alignment or a hard bottom alignment. When you're using your text, you can have a big image and then everything or your text is aligned along the bottom and you'll find that your graphics improve and I'm sure um, you will be a testament to this, Larissa, that it just, it changes everything. And then C is for contrast, is create contrast, call things out by making things bigger or smaller or light, dark, bold. Um, that will change your design as well. But you need to make sure that, again, you're looking at that strategy of what is that you want this person to do. Don't make everything big just because you think something looks bigger um, and is the most important thing. It could be contrast between the information um, and the image. If the image is actually saying more than the information, make that the biggest part of your design, but make sure that you lead them to the information and the parts that you need them to, to read. So that might be big image, small information, but out of that information, you've got a bolded headline in a bright color that is drawing their attention to this is um, the headline and it's going to call you out, call you in and get you to do something. And then this is the action that I need you to take. And those things, oh, the headline and the call to action probably should have what I call echo, which is E, which stand, it is really a design term called repetition, which ties things together. So it says, yes, your headline is here. Um, we're calling you out. I want, I've made it bold, big and really exciting in color to give that contrast. Cause this is how we, create designs that, you know, make sense. And it's much easier to show you in like on screen, but these are just some basic things that you can look at. And I encourage you to search them out online, these particular concepts, because they will make more sense. So back to that, we've got our headline and then we've got our call to action button in the same color using repetition. But what I find with new designers is that repetition sometimes means that they repeat kind of too many elements, which takes away the contrast and dilutes that person being able to move from one part of their design to the other. So I say, just echo it. So an echo is like a cooey, 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 cooey. It might be faded out, but they tie in in some way. And then the last one is S for symmetry, which look at your entire design and see if there's balance. Do you need to add some more white space so that um, there's, you know, the ideas can breathe and that they can, they make sense and they're not all cluttered together or, you know, have you got that big image and then small writing, but overall 
This is what we call asymmetrical balance. But visually, the thing makes sense and everything looks like it's in visual equilibrium. And you will find that with your designs. You look at them and go, something's not, it's not off. Look at the balance um, of that particular design. And that doesn't always mean centre alignment because centre alignment does not give you visual equilibrium. <laughs> I think, uh, and tell me if this is true or not, you know, some people are born with the ability to see the bigger picture and kind of zoom back and see balance per se. And some people just don't. So I guess if you can uh, um, resonate with the fact that you don't have that naturally, then those are really great tips to be able to actually follow step by step to come back and do that. Um, yeah, because I, I, I even know just even tidying my lounge, you know, if things aren't balanced <laughs> and things are in the right place, and my husband will say, why does that have to be there? And I'm like, because it balances. It does, yeah. It. And, and it creates, <laughs> yeah, it does. It, it creates that. Oh, everything looks right. And if you're not feeling this, your audience isn't either. And it's like, oh, this something just looks off. And again, coming back, if it doesn't look right and it's not landing, then they're confused. They don't want to look dumb. No one likes to be in that space. Even if it's in that tiny little subconscious part of our mind, we go, no, that's not for me. And you've spent all this time and energy putting this beautiful thing together. Um, so, yeah, I, that's what I teach. That's what I do. Lisa. Less is more, right? Because quite 100%. often in there you've talked about white space and, um, and I think we can overclutter, especially in images, too much copy, too much words because we mm. want to get the message across, but actually strip it back, less is more. Yes, and think about what is the most important thing that I need to say, and that might just be one headline. For example, is like car ads. They will have a massive picture of the car maybe tracking along a road. Um, next time you're in, a in the supermarket, flick through a magazine and have a look at their ads and what they're doing. And this car can be tracking along the road and it's telling, it's drawing you into that image. It's telling you a story and that fills up most of the page. Then the details are down at the bottom. And they're not actually selling you the car in that moment. No. They're selling you the idea that you might one day buy this car. And I think we, I think we can do that as sell, as sell on owners. We think we need to put it all out on the table to now. Mm. Uh, the, what's on offer, how long it will take, um, what the T's and C's are, who it's going to be with. And it's like, actually, no, we're not selling at this point. We're actually brand building or we're list building or we're um, putting it a, a mind, you know, mind eye. Or actually, if you've had all that before and now they're ready to buy, you're just doing the buy bit. You don't need all the other pieces. And so, no. yeah. 100%. Anyway. You need to be figuring out with your audience, uh, just touching on that with the ideal client, is your ideal client could be in three places in your brand story, either right at the beginning as someone who's completely cold and has no understanding and they're just thinking, oh, you know, this looks good, this is resonating, or they could be, you know, that warm client that has a bit more of an understanding. You have to be having a different message to them because they're on a different sales, different section of the sales journey to those that are just ready to buy. And so often what I've found is that we just, have messages for those people that are ready to buy. We forget about where the rest of our audience is tracking along on that story that we might have to catch them up. So we've got to be thinking about that when we are targeting our ideal client is looking at what store, what part of the story are they up to with us? All right, Emma, you're, you are a business owner yourself. So what is um, a quote or a mantra or something that keeps you going or keeps you sane even <laughs> uh, as a business owner that you can share with us? 
Well, for me in this design space has been style is everything. And that's, that's my quote, uh, because it does, it informs everything. It helps me to keep on track. I'm like, is this my style or is it someone else's that I'm trying to mimic and it's not going to resonate with my brand and it's not going to fit. But in saying that strategy always informs style, just like form follows function. So style is everything. And when we're building a brand, but it has to come with strategy first. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. That's really good. All right, what's a, um, a book or a podcast or something that you have read or listened to lately that, that salon owners must get their hands on? It's this one here, Sell Like Crazy by Sabri Sabai. Sabri, Sabai. Golly. <laughs> you can put that in the <laughs> That's show. That's a tricky one. <laughs> I, I think I butcher it every time. But this is a terrific book about making sure that you are having that right message to the right audience and that you're telling the right story of where um, they are on that journey. Because I think it's, he says, 97% of people in, say, a, a triangle, like they're on this journey with you, they're either unknown about your brand or they have, they're problem aware and they realize they have a particular problem and they're searching for a solution. They fit in that sort of 97% of that triangle. There's only 3% of people in any sales message that are ready to buy in any particular moment. So we need to be targeting and learning how do we warm people up? How do we turn warm leads into buyers? And this is by far um, one of the best books. He is the owner of King Kong Marketing here in Australia and he's oh, he's made millions and millions of dollars of selling um, ads and all different kinds of products in every market online. So if you're looking for how to craft good stories and good messaging, this is the book. Great. All right. We will indeed put the link in the show notes uh, with his name um, found and spelt properly. Yes. We don't have to worry about pronunciation. All right. Well, look, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate uh, the time that you've invested with us. Will you, though, just take a moment and tell us a little bit about your new baby that you've just recently uh, launched because you just gave me a bit of a squiz through before we uh, started chatting uh, and what you're doing to make salon owners' marketing life way easier. You've taken all the pain away, specifically around uh, creating content that resonates with clients, ideal clients, and shortcutting it a little bit. So tell us about uh, tell us about it. My, well, my new baby is called the Sheep Collective and it is a membership, um, monthly membership that helps salon owners create content for social media. Uh, one thing I find a lot of salon owners struggle with is coming up with caption ideas as well as coming up with, you know, what sort of image should I post with what caption? And then you've got uh, the graphics in order for your promotions or, you know, uh, a graphic to introduce someone to a new podcast and things like that you, that you want to populate your feed with because sometimes it just comes down to before and afters. A lot of salon owners are just, uh, we were joking about this before, you can't build a relationship with the back of someone's head. We have to be creating <laughs> that feed that is speaking to our ideal client because people want different things. They don't just want to see um, the back of someone's head. Instagram has moved on from that. So I help you create that what I like to call kind of your magazine quality feed. And the Sheet Collective supplies 
30 captions that are editable, that give you ideas and inspiration that you can go in and you can copy them straight out and then just pop them on your feeds. They're created in a way that builds that relationship. I want you to add your own personality because it, you just naturally will um, because it's your voice, but it helps you to get the ball rolling. So there's 30 of those. There's 15 templates that are fully downloadable into Canva. Uh, in the membership site, we go through how to create content, how to um, edit, how to create your own brand style guide so that you're targeting your ideal audience and how you can take these, what I like to call the, the science of the art, the structure of it that's, as I was talking about before, the space design, it's all set up to do what it needs to do in that particular post. And then I show you how to not remove the magic when you take when you change a template. Because sometimes in Canva, you can get in there and go, oh, it doesn't look anything like what it's supposed to. So I'm there to help you if you get stuck. And we also do 15 images of the types of things that your ideal client within the beauty industry is wanting to see and wanting to hear about. Um, and so that gives you inspiration and ideas around the types of content that you should be creating in order to talk to each of those areas of the market, both cold audiences, warm and, and hot, those for when you're ready to pitch. I really love that because I do think it's something that we see a lot of, of um, owners struggling to write anything more than love this, great style did this yeah. today, um, mostly because they're trying to post something at a moment's notice because shit, I haven't posted anything for a few days. And so to take the pain away of having to think about that, you've done all the thinking for them. And also the beautiful images to put in between the backs of your heads that you're posting. <laughs> Ideally front of heads. They're important. Yeah, they're important. <laughs> and we want to see we want to see what you can do, but we also want to know about you the type of salon that you have, the culture, the personality, your purpose. And these um, images and quotes do that. And they give you like little ideas because sometimes oh, I get it. I feel like when you're in front of your computer, it's like every creative idea. And we're creative beings, those in the beauty industry and in the design industry, that, you know, it goes, it leaves us and we can't come up with those ideas. So it gives you a little starting point of how to start telling a story and then you can add in what you've done today to create that beautiful, you know, look that you loved on your client and tell that story. So yeah, that's, that's Love the Sheet Collective. All right. So um, thank you for sharing that. And I wanted you to share that because I think it's a need for the industry and you're solving a lot of painful problems for a lot of salon owners who are otherwise far too busy. All right. Thank you. If you want to reach out to Emma, tell us where to find you. What's your dub dub and your socials? My dub dub is half geek, half chic, C H I C dot com. Um, same on Instagram and same on Facebook. And if you are interested in the Chic Collective, you can head over to half geek, half chic, uh, the Chic Collective membership. But we'll put a link there in the show notes because I want to offer all of those that are part of the Salon Owners Collective community a founding members fee when we reach 50 the price goes up but i'm just keeping it at 29 dollars a month specifically for you guys because i want you to have this resource of you know having access to me that can help you with your visuals your graphics as well as your messaging because um, we've got a private facebook group that you can jump in there you can get fit instant feedback on your designs and help so that you can grow and start creating that magazine quality feed that you want for your business 
Fantastic. And I really appreciate that um, she's doing that just for you guys. So you can only get the link on the show notes of this page, so uh, of this podcast. So thank you. That's really, really awesome. And uh, thanks for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Marissa. I have had a ball. Okay, and that's a wrap. Thank you so much, Emma, for joining me today. I always love your tips and your insight and your experience with salon owners. Now, I want to know what you thought of today's podcast and what are you are your three top takeaways that you're going to implement in your business going forward as a result of this. Now, you can let me know by leaving a review or you can jump over to the Facebook group and let me know in the group Plenty of people choose to send me a message in Messenger, which is absolutely fine too, because I love hearing from you. And I really do appreciate so many of the messages that I get. And one thing I just realized recently is that the reviews that we have on iTunes, now I didn't know this, are only available to the people that are in the country that are leaving the review. And we recently got a review that I really wanted to read out um, and that was from, it just says, little, sm little Smarty. So whoever you are, Little Smarty, thank you so much for your review. Now, she says, Dear Larissa, it's rare that I leave a review, but I had to take the time to thank you. So much to say and not enough space. I'll, I'll simplify. I've been overdosing on many of your podcasts, and I'm thoroughly enjoying them and learning a lot from them. I, owned a, I previously owned a small salon and got overwhelmed, overworked, and I sold it. And four years later, I'm realis realizing I want to do it again. I'm scared and excited. I'm trying to learn from my mistakes and be brave. So thank you for all that you do. You are making a difference. I appreciate your wisdom and your and your gas as well. Wishing you so much success. Well, look, I want to thank you. I really appreciate this kind of feedback because it fuels me to keep going and knowing that I'm doing doing the right thing and supporting people in their journey, whatever piece of the journey that you are so thank you for your feedback I do appreciate it so isn't that cool that uh, you're thinking about getting back into the salon world I'll tell you what being a salon owner is brave being a business owner is it's a brave thing and it's not for everybody so um, it's, it's not as I said to somebody today it's not for the faint-hearted uh, but it is so rewarding and you know what we wouldn't have it any other way if it's in our bones and in our blood it just is and we must do what we do Okay, there's only a few weeks to go now till Christmas. So I encourage you to continue to join me on the Christmas countdown. I've had so much great feedback from it and people have follow, you guys are following it avidly and I hope it's making a huge difference to you and lots of tips and tricks that you're taking and taking action. So I do love hearing about that. There's still a few more to go. So I encourage you to uh, come and join me live in the group. Otherwise, of course, this it is here on the podcast. Thank you for all your comments last week that I asked in the Christmas down, countdown. And we had a good time together. I really appreciate it. It was good. And uh, I asked, what would we talk about? If we spent an hour together to talk, what would you ask? What question would you ask me? What would we talk about? And I had uh, a few people say um, they would want to talk about becoming a CEO and actually stepping away from being a stylist and stepping into actually feeling like a business owner. Uh, a few other people asked me about uh, some marketing ideas and positioning of their brand, which I thought is interesting because we talk about that a lot in, on the podcast here. And even profitability. What is the missing link to actually making money, said, asked one salon owner. And so this is great because it helps me build my program. It helps me 
decide which guests I'm going to bring on the podcast. So keep those questions rolling in because it really does help me build the programs and and the things that we deliver to you because there's no point in me delivering you something that you're not interested in. So keep the comments coming. So thank you so much. And if you haven't let me know yet, then jump in. Don't be shy. Okay, I must wrap up and I look forward to being in your earbuds again. Same time, same place next week. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. Tune in each week as we reveal the latest insight and advice on what it takes to make your salon a success today. Subscribe to the Salon Owners Collective Podcast on iTunes or visit us online at salonownerscollective.com for answers to your common questions, to follow Larissa and much more. Thanks for listening. See you next time.